Hello, Tony G Nation. Welcome to episode number 99 of the Tony G Show. Woo! That's right. 99. It's almost here, Will. We're getting there. Episode number 100 is right around the corner. That's my partner, Will McCormick. I'm Tony Giordana. How are you doing today, Will? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm ready for a good Tony G Show. Me too. So before we get into it, we're going to preview the show in a second here. But let's give our plan for the 100th episode of the Tony G Show. This is episode number 99, which I've said about, I don't know, about three times already. Mm-hmm. Pretty proud of it. I don't know if you can tell. The 100th episode is not going to be next week. Okay. We're going to take a full week off. We have some interviews planned. We're going to put some things together. And then it's going to be released Tuesday, March 23rd. So Will and I are going to take a little bit of a spring break, which I think next week was going to be St. Norbert's spring break anyway. I think it was supposed to be, yeah. Yep, so it'll fit right in. Will and I are just going to take a spring break, kind of plan, do some planning, get some interviews lined up, see what we can do. Uh, We do have some things in the works, so don't worry. The 100th episode is going to be very special, a little bit special than the rest of our episodes. But just remember that it's not going to be released next week. There's going to be no Tony G shows next week. Will and I are going to take a little bit of a March break, as I said, and we'll come back with episode number 100 on March 23rd. That's a Tuesday going to be released just like any other Tuesday. So that's our plan for the mm-hmm. 100th episode. Keep an eye out for that one. Any thoughts on that, Will? I mean, 100 episodes. Pretty crazy. It's nuts. Still hasn't I mean, hit me yet. You know, and we've been talking about it for a while now, since last season mm-hmm. began. Or, I mean, even even through th- season four, we've been talking about the 100th episode. Yep. And so we've kind of watered it down, the meaning of it. But regardless, think about it. 100 episodes. It's a lot. That's a lot. We have a pretty solid podcast. I mean, we have mm-hmm. a good following. And by the way, our Tim Bald episode is now our third most listened to episode ever. That's awesome. Ever. It had the most listens through one week, through seven days since release of an episode ever that we have ever had. So it got some traction early in its young life and is only continuing to grow. If you haven't listened to it, go check it out. Tony G. Show interviews St. Norbert College Athletic Director Tim Bald. All right. Episode number 99. What do we got ahead for you? Pretty much all football. <laughs> Mid-March, all football. Baseball still hasn't started yet. Kind of spring training stages yet. Basketball is coming back from an all-star break. We kind of talked about that on Tuesday. So it's just mm-hmm. all, all football because it's been the news of the week. We'll start here with Dak Prescott, segment number one, getting his huge contract extension and i mean huge will with the dallas cowboys so we'll talk about that what that does to the nfc east moving forward we'll we'll preview the nfc east in the 2021 nfl season then also the salary cap was set for each nfl team in the national football league we're going to relate to the green bay packers and sort of make it a, a packers discussion but all around nfl salary cap discussion then we're going to be talking about St. Norbert College Athletics. And this is a segment I've I've thought about. I've tried it before in season one and two of the Tony G show. We kind of left it away. We've kind of been alluding to SNC Athletics in the last couple episodes of the Tony G show. So we're going to bring on a full new segment to the Tony G show. You ready for this, Will? Oh, yeah. We're going to call it the Green Knight Report. I like it. Okay. It's usually going to be a third segment if we do it. I don't know if we'll do it every episode. We'll see if it fits in, but... I think, you know, some of the student athletes on campus like it when we talk about their sports. And I've talked to them, and they they like 
it's almost like a mini sports center having their games broken down and stuff like that. So we'll start doing that. If it catches fire, we'll keep doing it. If you know it doesn't catch on, then we'll stop doing it because you know Will and I are men of the people, podcast hosts of the people. All right, so the Green Knight Report to end off the show. Show drops Tuesdays, Thursdays. Follow Will on Twitter at Willis5312. Follow me on Twitter at Tony G Show. Let's get into it. Episode number 99 of the Tony G Show. get right into it. Dak Prescott signs a huge mega contract extension with the Dallas Cowboys. Remember there was talk about him getting a contract extension or Zeke. Which were they going to do? They re-signed Zeke. He got a big contract and they tagged Dak Prescott. And so they could have tagged him again, but they wanted to get the deal done. It seemed as though Dak Prescott's camp either wanted to re-sign long-term, which is what happened, or become a free agent. So this new contract that he got, are you ready for these numbers, Will? I got a lot of them to throw at you, so... I've already laughed at them, so... <laughs> I mean, they're ridiculous. Four years, $160 million. That's a lot of college tuitions. Maximum potential for $164 million with incentives. But regardless, $126 million of that is guaranteed. Guaranteed. No way he can't get paid that money. That's crazy. And not to mention the trade comes with a no-trade clause, or excuse me, the contract comes with a no-trade clause and a no-tag provision. So his days of being franchise-tagged are done. He's either going to get the contract that he wants or become a free agent. Let's crunch these numbers a little bit more in depth. He's going to get $42 million a year over the first three seasons, which is an astronomical amount of money. $75 $75 million in year one, $66 million signing bonus. I got these numbers from NFL.com. And remember, he's coming off this injury. So there's a lot of talk as he got injured. What's that going to do to his value in getting re-signed in a, with, a, with a long-term contract? Because he wanted astronomical numbers, like $40 million a year. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of talk, and we're going to get into that. Is he worth $40 million a year? But... Regardless of what you think on that, he's got it now for the first three seasons. This is an astronomical amount of money. Dak Prescott got paid big by the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, it was almost like, I feel as though it was like Jerry Jones sat down with Dak Prescott and said, here's a blank check. What do you want? (laughs) I mean, that's such an astronomical amount of money. For an average quarterback at best, too. I mean, let's get into that. He's not like overly elite no. you could make the argument that he's he's great that he's that he's a great quarterback he's a great quarterback he's moving towards elite you know he's had that injury so he can't really prove himself the team hasn't been the strongest in recent seasons so you can't I, I'm not I'm not ready to call him elite just yet no he is great he's a great NFL quarterback great arm great instincts and a great teammate too a great leader has a great personality great behind the microphone great quarterback overall is he elite, though? Is he $40 million a year? No. I don't think anybody right now is worth $40 million a year. Maybe Pat Mahomes. I don't think Lamar Jackson has proven it yet. 
you could bring up the argument of guys like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, but they're all past their prime. They're still good. They're still very productive. You know, like Aaron Rodgers just won an MVP, but they're all in their late 30s, early Mm -hmm. 40s. So they're not worth $40 million a year. And to me, his 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 stats really don't speak for forty million a year, and I'm I'm sure people know that. But right, his best outing, touchdown throws wise, was thirty. But in that same year, he threw eleven picks. Yeah, that's not great. It's not great. That's it's good. That's really good. I think one thing that helped him out, it was almost like a blessing in disguise. You know, you don't want to see anybody get injured, so I, I call it blessing with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Was that injury? Yeah, because. I think the Cowboys were averaging somewhere in the high 30s, 40s, maybe even 50s a game before Dak Prescott got injured. Then he got injured, and then the NFC East was the NFC East, and we're going to talk about that division in a little bit here coming up, about two, three minutes. But still, just on Dak Prescott, personally, as an individual, 42, oh my gosh. Well, that is so much Mm -hmm. money. Well, and mind you, too, that that year he threw 30 touchdowns, they went 8-8. and That's not great. That's literally a year before he got injured. Right. And the, the, the thing that concerns me about a contract like this is, you know, I get Dallas is a big market. I get Jerry Jones has rather deep pockets. But now you have Zeke locked up. Now you have Dak locked up. And mm-hmm. that does, you know, that's great for your team. Right. Moving forward. But how about your salary cap now? Well, yeah. and those guys. I mean, I need... get you have a high one, like I said, but still, it's right. a lot of money to throw around. And those guys need a supporting cast. Like, they're not... There's certain players you can pay a lot of money and be like, yeah, he'll pull his weight. I personally don't believe that Dak or Zeke are either of those kind of players. I, and I don't think that's a bad take. I don't think that's a hot take at all because, you know, you can make the argument that he's a great quarterback. You can make the argument that he's a leap. You can also make the argument that he hasn't really proven that he's worth $40 million a year. Mm-hmm. He's proven that he's great. He's proven that he's, he's valuable. Good. But like this is like elite, legendary player type stuff, and he mm-hmm. hasn't shown that to anybody. So I could see arguments for both sides. Yeah, and I guess if you look at the side of the Cowboys, I mean, you don't want to let a quarter, a good quarterback go, but at the same time, it's like you have to walk that th- that fine line of paying a the right price, whatever that might be for a quarterback. And there's also talent. that discussion that your point brings up is that if a team feels like they have their guy at quarterback, right, they're gonna pay him like they have their guy, and they're gonna do what they need to to retain him, and that's what the Cowboys did. So like I said, you can make an argument for both sides of Dak Prescott. So what's the argument that I'm going to make, Will? I'm going to go ahead and say that the Cowboys are the number one contender in the NFC East. I'm going to go full team picture here. I'm going to bring in the entire division, not just Dak Prescott. We can make that argument all day long. Was he worth it? Was he not? We're not going to. We're going to talk about the division. Here's what I see. And the Dallas Cowboys in particular have a new head coach, Mike McCarthy. I get he's going into... His second year, he's not necessarily new, but it's still a new system. It takes some time for the system to develop and players to develop within that system. So it's still relatively new. It's still fresh, especially especially to that division. Now they don't have any more contract worries, any anything taking the attention away from on-field play of contract worries of Dak Prescott or Ezekiel Elliott. They're both locked up. They're both set to go. Now you just build and move forward. They have a good defense. They have a good O-line. They have a good wide receiver core. I mean, they're locked up the way that they need to to be competitive. I'd say good enough defense, not great. Did I say great, or did I say good? You said good. Okay, sure. I, I yeah. don't think they're, I, don't, I mean, I, they're going to have a lot of problems with these big contracts. 
They're they're not youthful. Their defense, no. I don't think. Very slow. Especially their front seven. I think they're. I think, I think they're fast. I think they're. They're oh. faster than me. Okay. I'll say that. Sure, but <laughs> but they're not. I wouldn't say they're slow. I wouldn't say that they're lagging. I'd say a slow defense is like a, a Jacksonville Jaguar defense. I'd say, I'd say, let me pull up another team here. I say the Denver Broncos defense plays slow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think that the Cowboys defense doesn't necessarily play fast, but they play they play clean and strong. Okay, I like their defense. I don't think there's much work to be done. I think there is work to be done, but I don't think there's much work to be done. So with that being said, that's okay. You know why, Will? Because it's still a weak division. Mm-hmm. It's still the NFC East, okay? New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles, I think both Will and I are on this on this plane here. Correct me if I'm wrong, Will, but neither of those two teams are going to compete in that division. Giants are going to be... Six and ten. Eagles are going to be three and thirteen, two and fourteen at best. Mm-hmm. They got a lot going on in Philadelphia. So there's two teams. That's half the division cut out right now. The team that I think will give them troubles is the Washington football team. I think they can compete. I think they have pieces in place that they need to move forward. I think Ron Rivera is going into his second year as a head coach of of the football team. So I think that they're primed to compete. But I don't necessarily think that they are the number one contender over the Cowboys. No, I would say the Cowboys are probably going to be the number one contender too, but just because they're in, in the NFC East, I think if you put them in any other division in the NFL, they're bottom bottom half. Sure. Bottom half of any other division. I, I wouldn't say any other division. I would. What about the AFC East? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. The one with the Patriots and the Bills and the Patriots? Jets and the Dolphins. Patriots are gonna be a good. I mean, they're they're gonna go out and pick up pick out some people this free agent or in this uh, off season, and they're not a bad team still. Uh, Bills are obviously fantastic. They're so obviously the one seed. There they go in the bottom half right there. I think I'd I'd put them in front of the Patriots. No. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. Because oh. they're, they're see they're not gonna bring back Cam. They're gonna go get out. They're, I'm telling you, Patriots. I get th- the Patriots. Don't th- don't discount them. So you're saying it's a good thing they're not bringing back Cam. Yeah, I think they're gonna be. I mean, they're gonna. If be they are, I'm not. I'm not 100 certain on that. Yeah, situation. we have no idea, but but don't hey, discount them. I mean, just to relate to that point again, Patriots over Cowboys. Yeah, come on, De- dude. I'm not convinced that the Cowboys are that good. Zeke hasn't been good since that one year in 2016. He's been good. He's been productive, Average. but he hasn't been a overly. He elite. hasn't been. He hasn't been making. He hasn't been playing for the amount of money he's being paid. That's a good point. Not even close. He's still good. He's still valuable. He's still productive. But yeah, yeah, he's not producing at the rate that you would think he would. Right. And okay. so now, if I can, now I can get behind. So now that. imagine if Dak is in that same boat. Then you're worrying with. Then you're, you're playing with fire. Now, now you're kind of screwed. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But all right, I, yeah. Well, then let me throw this at you. Let's keep in our division now that we're talking about the NFC East. I say the top two teams are going to be Cowboys, Washington football team. I say the Cowboys are the number one seed. Mm -hmm. But why? What separates them? Washington football team, like I said, they're making great strides to be competitive, and I think they will be for the better part of the season. I think they'll finish over 500. They're going to be a 9-7, and maybe even 10-6 and team. I don't know their schedule off the top of my head, but I think think they're going to be fairly good, competitive, and in the running. But they're still just kind of up in the air with these positions like quarterback, Mm -hmm. like running back. Even wide receiver, I'd make an argument for. You you like Terry McLaurin. I also like him. Yeah. Antonio Gandy-Golden, too. They drafted him last year. I like him. 
and I think they have certain talent. It's just not going to fall in place they're the like, way that it is for the Cowboys. Yeah, they're like a year off. Maybe, exactly. Maybe they two. got a couple years yet to go to develop. Two two more years of development, and they could be there. I agree. And that's the difference maker. Mm-hmm. Dallas is set and ready to go. They have right. their talent positions. We're like talking I said, about right now. I like their defense. I like their offensive line. I think that they are set, ready to roll. Yeah, like talking right now, the Cowboys are the better defense, the better um, offense than anyone in the NFC East. But in two years, that is going to change. What do you mean it's going to change? Well, I just I think that with the football team building, I mean they're in a position to to grow much beyond what the Cowboys are right now. But that but again, that all depends on how how well Dak plays. Because if Dak plays to this level where he's he's playing to the level to what he's being paid, then the Cowboys have no problem. Yeah. But if he's the kind of player and he plays at that level where he needs Zeke to be 26, 2016 Zeke and they need a crazy offensive line and he needs at least two wide receivers and the crazy defense, then you're screwed. Because that's not what he has now. I, I think that if the Dallas Cowboys land in this draft, land, let's say, even two, three out of their draft picks this year, then they're going to rock and roll for the next couple seasons. I think then they're going to be competitive for the next five years throughout the length of Dak Prescott's contract. I think they're ready to go. I think they're set and in place. That's why I put them at the number one contender. That's why I think there's such a big gap between them and the football team, and especially the rest of the division, because they're set. They're ready to rock. They have a little bit of experience under their belt. They have now a year in the Mike McCarthy system. Zeke and Dak get together great, as do the rest of the that organization. I think they're set and ready to rock here for the next couple of years. I wouldn't be surprised if they win the division the next four out of five seasons. Again, Three out of five seasons. And you know, just as a disclaimer, the off season could totally change this outlook in one afternoon if the football team went out and made some changes. Yeah. I don't see them doing that. No, I don't either, but they could. I have their the salary cap here. Washington is in very good shape. They have a lot of money to spend. See? Cowboys are also. So they both could, you're right, they both could go out and make uh, some pretty good changes. And I think this is a good transition point. We won't do it just yet. But let's let's keep that on the back burner of the salary caps here of these teams. Because that will relate to our segment number two for the 2021 NFL salary cap. Back to this discussion, though. I think Dak... Okay, so when we talk about this, and this isn't like our quarterback spotlight, but when we do our quarterback spotlight, we highlight traits, characteristics, skills that certain quarterbacks that we're highlighting in that spotlight have over other quarterbacks. So, you bring up the question, what does Dak Prescott do? What he does exceptionally better than any other quarterback in the NFL, I think... You got my eyes wide. Yeah, I, I, I know. Says. You're waiting for this point. What Dak does better is leadership. <laughs> what is this now? What is this? He's no leader. He is. He no, is respected not. in that locker what room. What has he done? He, look look at when he, when he went down. That team was broken. Well, yeah, because he was like the only good player on the team. No, because he is the leader. He is an exceptional leader. People talk about Tom Brady as a leader. I see that same trait in Dak Prescott. Where? Not to mention... Not to mention that he has a great arm. He has great pocket presence. He's not the best decision maker, but he's better than others. <laughs> and he can even run. He's a little bit mobile. I don't know how mobile he'll be moving forward after this ankle injury that he had that ended his last 2020 campaign. 
But what he does better is he's a leader. He has a great arm, great arm strength, and great pocket presence. I love his awareness. I really do. Is it hard to not be a leader, though, as a quarterback of a team? Starting quarterback, yes. even? Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, okay, that's one of 32 quarterbacks okay, in the NFL. But that's an immediate example. You said, is it... Is it? What, what? That's almost like I said. Is it that hard? It's almost like a given. Like if you're the quarterback, you're going to be a leader. I think that comes with the responsibility, right? That's what but I'm that's saying. that's the argument that I'm making. Is Dak does it better than most other quarterbacks? People say that about oh, Tom Brady. I say that about board. Dak Prescott. No. Yes. What has he done? What like what sticks out to you that I'm, I'm putting you on the spot? One specific. You ever seen example. him on the sideline? You ever seen him after a game? You ever seen his body language? Will. The guy is a leader. The guy is never down. Look at Kyler Murray. We talked about that in our okay, yeah. quarterback spot. Like the body language. Yeah. The leadership. I see that in Drew Locke, too. And you don't fight me on that, but you're fighting me on Dak Prescott. I see the same thing out of those you quarterbacks. You see Drew Locke is a bad leader? No, Drew Locke is a, great, a good oh, leader. Oh, okay. And okay. I'm saying I see that trait in Dak Prescott. Hands. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm a big Drew Locke guy. I said it many times on the show. Dak Prescott is that elite level leader. No. That's what I think that the he's Cowboys not. invested in here. He's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Show me an example of his uh, of negative body language. Show me an example of him after a, a game, post game press conference where it wasn't stunning and I impressive. Say, I wouldn't say that there's been an, a, one instance where he's like, "Wow, he's a bad leader." Like where Cam Newton, like after the Super Bowl, like was yep. just a complete moaner and wouldn't really talk. Yeah. But I wouldn't say there's a moment in my mind where I can say, wow, that was a really big leadership moment of him at the same time. Which, in his position, there should be. I'm going to I'm gonna dispel your argument right here. You ready? You remember what he went through just through this quarantine? Talking about going through depression. He mm, lost mm-hmm. his brother. And he still was able to, to fight back that internal darkness. Mm-hmm. Get back to a locker room and be a leader mm-hmm. to such a point that when he was injured and couldn't play, the team was completely broken and lost without him. And, not to mention, how he has used his struggle, how he has used his past and what he's gone through and that depression and darkness in his life and morphed it into a positive thing, spreading awareness, talking about it publicly, Mm -hmm. social media. I think this is really what separates him. I wouldn't say to pick apart that argument, I wouldn't say that the fact that the team lost after he was injured was a sign of his leadership because the Cowboys are bad. I... See, I, I agree to an extent. <laughs> like, to you, an extent. Yeah, like I mean, if the Cowboys lost Aaron Rodgers, which they did, what two seasons back, Packers? they're gonna be bad. You said Pat- Sorry, you said Cowboys. Sorry, the Packers lose Aaron Rodgers, yep. like they did two seasons back. They're gonna be bad. Yes, because a, you you can't because they didn't have talent around. Him. Right, you need a you need a good quarterback. That's like a given. But he was also a leader. You see the relationship Aaron Rodgers has with his teammates, right. riding around in the back of a pickup truck. But that's not why they lost. Right, it's not why they lost, but it certainly played into it. It didn't help it. Right, but his talent is the more important side of it. You lose a leader. I agree. Having a leader is big, but like his leadership wasn't why they lost. They lost because the Cowboys stink. Okay, the Cowboys are not good. I understand. <laughs> I get what I'd you're, argue I get what that you're they're, they're making strides. I, let me backtrack here. It's not that they're not good. It's just that they're kind of lost. They're not playing together. They're not yeah, fully okay, with each I would other agree right with now. That. I would agree with that. It's not necessarily a lack of talent. They have enough talent, I think. Or or maybe they could use a little more. But regardless, this is a team that's going to be competitive moving forward. And now that Dak Prescott's ready to go, there's no side conversations going on about this contract extension, this contract extension with that player or this player. This is going to be the Cowboys division moving forward. I don't think the Washington football team has it to this point yet. 
and I certainly don't, don't think the Giants and the uh, Eagles are, are at a position to contend. Like I said, I think the Eagles are going to win sub three games, four maximum, this next season. They're going to be very, very brutal. Not to mention that the Giants are making strides. We haven't talked about them a whole lot. But the fact that they're young, they're inexperienced, they're bad. I don't like their head coach. I don't think they're going in a good direction at all with their organization. I think that's, at best, an 8-8 eight and eight team. And that's at best. At very best. I predict they're going to be 5-11, and 6-10, somewhere in that win range. That's not a team... That is not a team to be over 500, the Giants. So the division oh. is very, very weak. Am I allowed to wrap this around? What do you mean? Could you argue that the reason why he's he's taken, or not a reason, but the fact that he is being so greedy with his contract is pulling away from the team, which in a sense makes him a bad leader? Mm. No. You don't I, think so? I don't relate. I don't relate that contract. I think it plays a factor, but I don't relate that to Dak as the leader. I don't relate that it's to not, Dak off the field. Yeah, no, it's definitely not like a it's not a direct line to his leadership style or anything, but now that I'm looking on it, it's like and who wouldn't who wouldn't want, you know, like if I was playing to that level, I'd be like, yeah, I want 40 million a year. Right, Why right. wouldn't you? Yeah. But at the same time like wouldn't a good leader be like, okay, maybe I can put us in a better position. But I guess you could say that about every quarterback, too. Here's the thing that I think with Dak Prescott. He wanted his money, but he wanted to be locked up. He wanted to have security moving forward. He wanted to have his organization picked out. I get that. And he wanted to be part of that organization. Why wasn't this longer than four years? I think it's more so a cowboy thing that it was only another four-year contract. Why was the money so much and they couldn't agree on a price because Dak's price was so high? He felt he was valuable. He banked on himself. Right, and I get that. I don't I, I would do the same thing. Yeah. But he, he just used his leverage, I think. I don't think it was necessarily greediness. He did ask for a lot, and this is a lot of money. This is I don't greedy. think it's necessarily greedy though. I don't think so. Because it's just him using leverage. He could go out and get that asking price, maybe even a little more from a different organization. He just wanted the Cowboys to invest in him. I mean, yeah, he could have gone to the Bears and asked for $100 million a year, and they probably would have paid him. Exactly. Exactly. So he's using that leverage against the Cowboys. I don't think it's necessarily greed. I think, uh, I don't know. I think it plays a role into it a little bit. Sure. He's got to understand he's not the best. He, yeah. I, I th- and I think all things being said, I think $42 million is a lot for the first three yeah, seasons. Exactly. And well, That know, puts him in numbers, such a bad spot. Again, from NFL.com, these numbers come from. But the Cowboys are going to be struggling. See, that's the thing. It's not small market Green Bay. It's not right. Indianapolis. It's not Minnesota. It's Dallas, Texas. Oh, I get that. They have a lot of money. I mean, I, they have I this contract, that. and they're still, where are they, top 10, top 15? Yeah, top 15 in the but NFL in Dak cap needs, space. Dak needs a star running back, two receivers, and a stud offensive line. Which he which he had at one point. He did have. And he played phenomenal with but that. But Jason Garrett, yeah, you can also make the argument that Jason Garrett's not there anymore. Maybe no, that was that's the true. problem. That's true. Yep. But See, it but also is McCarthy. Have their coach and their talent in place. See, but I don't know if McCarthy's the answer, and I think you, you're you uh, most, you're you most know, sold you into You and I are going to have to agree on this one because we don't really buy into the McCarthy oh, and okay, Dallas good. thing. But, okay. you see, it's not, it's not – here's let me, let me phrase it to you this way, and then we'll move on because we're uh, right about at time here. Let me phrase it to you this way. I don't buy into Mike McCarthy 
but I buy into the Cowboys with a new head coach. I buy into the Cowboys with a new system. Yeah. I buy into the Cowboys in Dallas with that fan base, with the strength, with the cap space that they have. I think that's a team ready to move forward. With the average at best leader. No. Will and I agreeing to disagree. That was a good conversation. And let me talk about this. We mentioned a lot of times in that conversation the cap space of each team, Cowboys, uh, football team. And Washington has a top, I think their number, what is this? One, two, three, four, five, six. The sixth best cap, cap space in the NFL. Six most, I should say, not best. I'm not going to count. I think it's like 12 or 13 down the list that the Cowboys are. I have a list of mm -hmm. every NFL team. Here is the thing, though, and I think this is a good transition to our next topic. There are about nine, ten teams in the red. In the red since this new cap space came out. The new salary cap has been set at the NFL, in the NFL at, are you ready, Will? Mm -hmm. $182.5 per team. Okay. That's down 8% from last season at $198.2 million. It's a big difference. And it is a huge difference. It's caused. It's been caused by the 92% decrease in fan attendance during games because of COVID. The economics. That plays a big role in it. Yeah, the economic students uh, side of me. Go ahead. It's an, it, it's, Econ no, I, major. Yeah, I just think it's intriguing to see how the trickle-down effect of the pandemic is even affecting salary caps and, and professional sports. Yeah. Because that's one of those things you just think, man, it just seems to be going up and up. I mean, you look at... Terrible quarter, not terrible. Average quarterbacks like Dak Prescott getting forty-two million a year, so that must mean that Aaron Rodgers is going to get a hundred million a year <laughs> at this point. See, but or at this rate, we're not talking about quarterback talent. No, we're no, talking about overall salary cap. Right, I, I'm just yeah, I'm just saying it's it seems to be the case every year the salary cap gets larger and larger. And now due to this pandemic, that it's not. the entire economy was hit from. It's just cool to see. You're not cool. It's not cool at all. Um, Interesting. Intriguing yeah. to see how it affected sports even. Here's the thing I want to... Uh, here's the direction I want to go with this conversation. What will teams do as a response to this around the NFL? And, of course, there's about 9, 10 teams in the red. So we're not going to go through each team mm -hmm. in the red. We just you know, don't have the time for it. So we will relate it to the one market that Will and I are in, in the Green Bay Packers. This is going to cause teams to be more handicapped in their player negotiations. And we see that already with the Green Bay Packers. Yesterday was the last day to franchise tag players or re-sign players before they became free agents. A result in the Green Bay Packer organization, center Corey Lindsley and running back Aaron Jones are now free agents. I don't think the Packers have used a franchise tag in like 10 years. Really? Something crazy. I'm going to find that. Look that up. Well, Will's looking that up. I want to clarify a situation, a perspective on why these two are not re-signed. I don't know if it was more so. I don't buy into. Let me say it that way. I don't buy into the Packers not wanting Aaron Jones and not wanting Corey Lindsley, not wanting to pay them. I think this is a result from them being handicapped with their salary cap. Mm -hmm. I think that's what this is a result of. I think they really wanted Corey Lindsley and especially Aaron Jones. There was contract negotiations with Aaron Jones throughout the playoffs and the end of the regular season, and they just couldn't find a deal. And I think because the Packers are in such bad, such a bad position with the salary cap this season. Mm -hmm. And you have it, or 
or no, should I move no, on? No, no, sorry, sorry. I was just going to add something, but you're good. Okay, okay. So let me let me move on this way. I have numbers here because Tony G does his homework right well. Mm-hmm. 99 episodes in, Tony G has never stopped doing his homework. The Packers are nine, around $9.5 over the salary cap limit. $9 million. They have to offload that money by March 17th. Will, the day that this episode, number 99 of the Tony G Show, is being recorded is March 11th. They have six days to offload $9.4 million. Mm-hmm. And you mean to tell me that they were supposed to sign both Corey Lindsley and Aaron Jones? Oh, I knew they were going to let Jones walk once they drafted uh, A.J. Dillon. I, I, I knew they were going to let Lindsley walk when they weren't re-signing him. And it was obvious the Packers were trying to do things to free some calorie, <laughs> calorie to free some salary cap space. They tried to, uh, and, and effectively did, shift the contract, the money contract around for David Bakhtiari. He's making less now and more later. They shifted their salary cap by releasing Christian Kirksey. And who was the other one they released? Rick Wagner. Mm-hmm. So they have been trying effectively, too, I might add, to release cap space. But there's still 9.4 to offload. So what should they do? Well, they got to release Preston Smith. They have to release Preston Smith. Let me break it down this way, and then we'll get into this discussion. Why should they release him? It would free $8 million. Then that's only $1.5 more million that you'd have to free up. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you extend Devontae Adams and then kind of move money towards the back end like you did with David Bakhtiari, then you'd be good. Preston Smith is also useless in coverage. Yeah. Terrible. Just brutal. Yep. Just useless. He had a rather silent season as a pass rusher as well. He's not that effective. He's not that productive. He is not worth keeping this $8 million opportunity slip by you. He's not worth that. I'm sorry, but he isn't. It's either time to restructure his contract, give him a major pay cut, or let him walk. Or let him walk. I'll open it up for discussion. We'll go ahead. The pay cut, before we get into Preston Smith specifics, that is going to be interesting, interesting to see how this trickle from the decrease in salary, if we're going to see players taking smaller contracts now, too. Yeah. That's just another side thing to pay attention to as a fan. Sure. Um, but it's certainly looking like Preston might have to walk. I think so, too. And that's something I was saying towards the end of last year. When you see him play, he wasn't as effective. Right. Like, we, Rashawn Gary's production might not have been at Preston Smith, but he certainly... He made strides last year. He's getting there. Yeah, he made a lot of strides last year from his rookie campaign in Mm -hmm. 2019. Like, I think this upcoming season, his third season, he could play at at Preston Smith's level. And now that this is the third season, remember, he was a first rounder. Mm -hmm. So he had a four-year rookie contract. Right. So he's he's in the back of his contract. He has to earn his next paycheck. Yeah. He has to earn it starting this season, this upcoming 2021 season, in the next year. So we could see that where they kind of take a leap with Gary and hope that he brings that, you know. That he he proves his worth. Yeah. In a way that Preston Smith isn't right Mm -hmm. now. And then also, too, there's like they could reconstruct uh, Rodgers' contract, I believe, if they haven't done that already. Yeah, but I think they've done that multiple times. I think Aaron Rodgers has to be getting tired of the (laughs) restructuring. Although, yes and no, and I'm sure Mm -hmm. he does, that... This is a small market in Green Bay. Yeah. This isn't no Chicago or Miami. Right. Um, I, I'm i honestly not surprised with the Aaron Jones thing. I, yeah. I, I wasn't a fan of a big contract for running back. I And don't get me wrong, I love Aaron Jones. Like, sure. Seriously, 
don't have anything against the guy. He's a great running back. Just great large. Yeah. Yeah, great guy. Great character. The exact kind of player you want on your team. Yeah. Large contract for running backs freak me out. I agree. They've I, literally I 100% like, get behind you. I can't think of five that have worked out for players or for, or for teams. I mean, look at look at Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. He's he's he's, he's, a dud. he's still productive. He's still good, but he's, he's not where he was when no. he was holding out and getting his paycheck. Not even close. So I agree. Um, you know, other guys around the league, Zeke, who we yeah. just talked about, hasn't yeah. been producing at the same level. The second year, and that's a thing we've talked about on the show, and it's been talked about widely in sports, is that the second contract for running backs doesn't always pan out. The mm-hmm. numbers aren't always for you. And unless you have freak athletes like a, a Adrian Peterson, who, of course, right, you have to resign. Yeah, or like you look at Frank Gore, where like he's not like some crazy good running back, but he's been here he's forever. Around. Yep. So when you there's, look, there's when you look at few. it like that perspective, there's a few. There's a few. That's the point. There's few. Right, but it's like it what is less than it does often. Right, and it's like how confident are you in that Aaron Jones is one of those few, and not that I'm saying that he couldn't be because I really think he could. Yeah. But this is where you get as a team, you can get in a lot of trouble. Here's another interesting point I want to bring up, and this could be perceived as a devil's advocate point. Was Aaron Jones as good as Aaron Jones was in the last couple of years because he was in the Matt LaFleur system because of the way the Packers used him? Mm-hmm. Or was it because of all talent? And he's talented. Right. He's fast. He's personable. He's a great guy to have on a team in a locker room. But did he succeed at the rate that he did because of Matt LaFleur and the Packers? Well, That's something I think you definitely have to take into consideration. And the Packers' offensive line was one of the best in the NFL, if yeah. not the best. They did play very well. Like very, they did have some injury well. problems yeah. and some weaknesses. I think Billy Turner's contract really isn't panning out, which could be another way to offload mm. some cap space. But I don't know. I like I, it. Anyways. I think, uh, yeah, about Aaron Jones. Yeah, this him walking was, I mean, the writing was on the wall. Yeah. When, you, when you drafted A.J. Dillon, yeah. The writing was there. And I think I've said this before in many episodes, but and ob- and they got to resign Jamal too. We haven't even talked about that, but he's yeah. up as well. Yep. He's I mean, he might be walking too. I think he I think he is. He might be walking too. So this could be the AJ Dillon show. Yeah. And some the and and some free fifth round agent draft or pick. yeah. Yep. I agree. So it'll be interesting to see what they do at the running back welcome position. Welcome to the show AJ Dillon. Yep. Um yeah, it's going to be interesting. I thought for sure they'd, they'd sign Lindsley somehow. But at the same I, time... I also agreed. But same time, like, if they can put Elton Jenkins at the at the center position and if they can get by with Billy Turner... If they can get by with Billy Turner. David Bakhtiari comes back healthy, which he won't by the start of next year. He so you have to find. He's a beast. Ah, uh, yeah. He's a beast. And, and, you know, it usually takes a year, but return rates for guys with ACL injuries have, has been rather quick mm-hmm. the last couple seasons. We've seen that pace pick up a little bit so he could that's not a guarantee that he won't be in just very unlikely that he'll be ready two things i want to talk about before we move on from this segment and they're very interesting points i want to bring up since we're talking about aj jones we'll talk about this one first and then we'll move on to the second one aaron jones aj jones wow okay since we're talking about aaron jones we'll talk about that and then we'll move on to the second one uh, in a bit here and that second one being the rest of the division and their cap space what does it look like so let's talk about Aaron Jones. Where do we think he goes? I think I heard Miami's a I also heard potential. Miami. I could see that. He's I, a, could. I could see him playing for Miami. Yep. They're they're really building, too. They're mm-hmm. making strides to be competitive. Yeah. I could see Buffalo. 
Buffalo. I don't buy into their running back situation right now. I think Devin Singletary is their number one. Mm. And they find value in him, I think, in a way that the Packers find value in Jamal Williams. Right. But like like we've been talking about many times on this show, a, the two-headed monster out of the backfield really helps. So you had Aaron Jones and Devin Singletary look out for that Buffalo offense. And here's something we could see happen this season, too. Like I mentioned before with the teams, a lot of the teams having to reduce, you know, a couple teams in the red. We could see a lot of good players kind of hanging in free agency for a while. Yep. And I think we are going to. I We've seen that, that in sports. Yeah. Baseball happens all the time. Guys don't get signed till mid-March. Right. I mean, it's not that they're bad players. I think that there's some teams that are just going to be like, we're really like the Packers. They're they're choosing to let a lot of good players walk because it's like they can't afford it. And there's going to be a good amount of teams that are going to have to do the same thing. To talk about Aaron Jones moving forward and where he's going to end up, I think we'll use this point as a great segue into the second portion of this discussion, um, uh, the salary cap of the NFC North. Who is the number one team with the most cap space? A team that has a top draft pick, a team that is rebuilding, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Who has the number two most cap space? A team that is rebuilding, a team that has cap space, the New York Jets. Who is the number three team? The New England Patriots. Hmm. I could see any one of those three options. Mm-hmm. See, like I, like I said, just looping this back to the last conversation, do not discount the Patriots. Yep. Do not. They're going to hit on somebody. They'll get one person in the draft. They'll pick up four solid players. They'll pick up three random players that turn into absolute demigod players. And it'll just be like, where did the Patriots come from? And then all of a sudden they're good. So this is a good <laughs> segue to the rest of the division. Before we move on, Will, mm-hmm. one final team for Aaron Jones. I'm going to say Miami Dolphins. Uh, what the heck? I'm going to go Buffalo Bills. I'll say Buffalo Bills for Aaron Jones moving forward. Yeah, I guess it kind of depends. Like, I could see the Bills, but he's not going to get as much money there just yep. because they're going to have to be able to, you know. There's they're a about, lot of, they're yeah. middle of the pack. They're right yeah. behind the Cowboys for most cap space. Right. Um, oh, they are? Yep, right behind the Cowboys. Oh, middle, but middle of the pack. Middle of the pack. They're I in st- the green Either way, far. I still see Miami. I think Miami's going to be where he goes. He just, I think he'd fit in with that culture, especially if they're starting to get a little bit of momentum. Plus, I wouldn't mind rooting for him in Miami. Sure. The Dolphins have the seventh most cap space in the NFL. Yeah. So, yep, I could see that. Let's move on now to the NFC North and the cap space around the division. Let me tell you this. Three out of the four teams are in the red, and one isn't far out of it. The Vikings have $8.7 million worth of cap space, that's about 20th in the NFL for most cap space. The Lions, Packers, and Bears are all in the red. Mm-hmm. Remember I said the Packers have to offload about $9.5 million. The Lions have to offload about one and a half. That's not too much, but it's still in the still, red. Still, yeah. The Bears have to offload $17.5 million. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, no. You think that's a lot? The Saints have to offload twenty five and a half. See, million. this is what I'm talking about. There's and the gonna... Rams have to offload thirty three point one million. Uh-oh. And this all has to happen by March seventeenth. They have to offload this. This is, is what's going to happen. Wait, what was the date? March seventeenth. March seventeenth. There's going to be like days. free. The free agency market is going to be nuts. It's going to be packed. It's going to be nuts. I don't know that. I don't know that it's going to be. I, I could see it being packed. No, it's I, be crazy. I, I certainly get where you're coming from. But I think teams find a way out of this. They extend yeah. contracts. They move money around. They're better at this than many people give them credit for because no one ever thinks of it. Right. So I could see 
I could see them moving money around. But thirty-three and a half million or thirty-three point one million even, to offload in six days. Even you think the Packers have a lot with nine and a half? Well, look, seventeen for the Bears. That's a lot. That's a lot of money. And you know, I wanted to make this about the the NF, NFC North, and we're kind of running out of time here to move on to the last segment, but. You know, let's just, well, I have all these numbers pulled up. Let's pull up some interesting numbers here, some interesting teams. Super Bowl 50, what was it, 56 last year? Or 55? Uh, I don't know. LV, so 55, right? Super Bowl 55, Chiefs, Buccaneers. You want to take a shot at where these two teams are? I bet you the Buccaneers have like 50 million to spend. What about the Chiefs? Chiefs are going to have about 60 million. Just going to like, just because they're that good and they're going to have more money to spend. You ready for this one? Yeah. I hope I'm wrong. The Chiefs have to offload $4.4 million. That's not that bad. The Buccaneers have to offload $5.5 million. That's that's a good amount of money, though. But the point is they're both in the red. Yeah. I fully expected both those teams to have like way more money than they should. Yeah. But keep in mind the talent that got them to the Super Bowl cost money. Right. Yeah, yeah. And Jaguars, make, like I said, are number one. Go ahead. And, and usually when you make a playoff, a deep playoff push like that, they're going to demand more money. Yep, yep. And you have to spend more money, too, because there's mm-hmm. incentives for getting further yep. in the playoffs. Yep. Jaguars are number one, like I said, 73.5 million. Jets, Patriots, Colts, Bengals, football team. Yeah, interesting numbers. Mm-hmm. Interesting numbers. A team that I think is interesting to watch with the money they have to play with, the Seahawks. Are they going to build around Russell, Russell Wilson and – Try to iron out that relationship that's been rather rocky the last couple seasons. Or are they going to try to trade him away? And then that only free up more cap space. So it'll be interesting to see what Seattle does. Shall we move on, Will? Sounds good to me. I think it's about that time. Our Green Knight Report on the Tony G Show. We've talked about Green Knight Athletics a lot on the Tony G Show, but this is the debut of this segment. The Green Knight Report. What do you think? Okay. Rather <laughs> lackluster response from Will McCormick. All right, Green Knight Report. We're going to do SNC baseball and softball with this edition. We'll just start with baseball because they have a pack of three games coming up this weekend. They host Wisconsin Lutheran on Saturday. That's a noon start time. Then they host Marion University, a doubleheader, noon and 3.30 on Sunday. Your boy's going to be on the call for that, Tony G. Also, on Saturday, give a shout-out to our boy, friend of the show, Trevor Rampton. He's starting. Got a good supporting cast going. So, SNC baseball. At 4-0 heading into the weekend, a chance to pick up three more. We'll see how it goes over the weekend. Now, softball. Remember, we had a busy day Tuesday. Well, mm-hmm. we had to record the show early because I had to get to uh, the softball diamond to announce. I announced both games. And unfortunately, the Green Knight softball team dropped both games to UW Oshkosh. 4 nothing, then 8 nothing. The bats kind of went silent. But I think that's more so because of the pitching of UW Oshkosh. Mm. Lights out. Matty Fink, Mia Crotty, both went had complete games. Both were lights out. Matty Fink had, I believe, 11 strikeouts in her seven-inning performance. Wow. So, I mean, very good pitching out of the Oshkosh Titans. Mm-hmm. And St. Saint Norbert softball moving forward. They host Lawrence University on March 27th and Beloit College on April 3rd. Those are both doubleheaders. Ooh, a lot of games. A lot of games. I think um, I don't have it up. Up right here, but the softball team has all doubleheaders. Mm. Actually, I lied. I do have it up. Lawrence doubleheader, Beloit doubleheader, Lake Forest doubleheader, Ripon doubleheader. All doubleheaders. Yeah, I, I guess we're just trying to get I them in. I think that's how like, softball does it. Yeah. Well, you try to get them in while you can, too. Yeah. 
you know, Matt rather play two games at once than right. play each other at two different times. More yeah. exposure. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, that was our Green Knight report. What do you think? It's pretty good. Thanks, man. Yeah. Got fun fact for you. What is that? I'm getting vaccinated tomorrow. You are? Yeah. How did you land that? You can just sign up on Walgreens. So all, all the, Co- the Tony G fans that listen to this this late, go to walgreens.com. You make an account. You can literally just sign up for one if you're if you're a student. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. You should do yeah. it right after the episode. Good for you, Yeah. Will McCormick, Tony G Nation. So a little tidbit of information for you that made it, made it that far. Fun fact. Fun fact. All right. That's a good way to end the show. Remember, 100th episode is going to come Tuesday, March 23rd. Will and I are going to take spring break next week off. We're going to put together some interviews, maybe try to get something lined up for that 100th episode. We have a couple interesting things in the work works for that. So keep an eye out. Anything to add, Will, before we... I mean, we won't see each other until that 100th episode. Mm-hmm. No, I think I'm good. 100 episodes, man. We're just about there. One more episode and we're on that landmark. Thank you, Tony G Nation, for the support. Can't wait to get there. Can't wait to see that episode. For Will McCormick, I'm Tony G. We'll see you for number 100. This is the Tony G Show. <laughs>